Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Checked by Murphy. Murphy starts the rush. He hits Hunter. He's in alone. A shot and a goal. Juno finds Bellows. Here's Bellows sweeping in. Pops it down. Luke Hunter scores. Joey Juno scores the goal. And the Capitals are headed to the Stanley Cup final. And now Kuz nets off right half. 720 to go. Kuzi with a move to the front. The shot he holds and it's gone. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by managing editor of Japers Rink, John Press. How you doing, John? I'm super. How are you, Adam? I'm doing happy well. Valentine- happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, and, and I think we should dedicate this episode to the biggest heartbreaker of them all, that, of course, <laughs> being the Washington Capitals in the months of late April and May. So, yeah, yeah there, there we go. Starting to show off strong. So... John, I think uh, we got to start today talking a little bit about how the team's been playing of late. Um, and I, I guess I'll just kind of let you go with it because I know you've got a few nice stats for us. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't know about how many nice stats That's I have. I, I know, <laughs> I know they're, I know they're four, three, and three uh, over their last ten, which is not great. Uh, I know that. You know, on the season, they're now 31, 3, and 4 when they score three goals or more, which is pretty nice. I mean, those are those are very good numbers. Those are pretty much get three goals and you're going to win games, except that uh, of those seven losses, uh, when they've scored three goals or more this season, five of those have come in the last 11 games. So, uh, unfortunately, lately, they've been getting some offense, but not necessarily getting the defense and goaltending and I say defense and goaltending because uh it really it's more than just not getting the goaltending you know you look at that Winnipeg game the other night and I think we'll probably be talking about that uh quite a bit uh during the next handful of minutes um but I thought Braden Holtby was very good in that game uh for the most part Uh, he he made phenomenal save after phenomenal save and kept them uh, really in the game and leading the game uh, at, at times when uh, Winnipeg was really coming. And, you know, maybe he'd want the third goal back or but uh, or the second goal uh, that Winnipeg scored. But uh, I thought he was terrific. The defense is just it's just not getting the job done right now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't. I know it's something we've harped on quite a bit uh, over the course of this season. I know that uh, Kevin has a great post up on our site 
uh, detailing just how bad Brooks Orpic has been this year. Um, and, uh, you know, until they fix the blue line and it's not just the blue line, you know, there, there's been plenty of, uh, poor defense from forwards, uh, as well. You know, you, you saw Andre Burakovsky get turnstiled by Dustin Bufflin on that first goal the other night. You saw, uh, Nick Backstrom have some, very weak attempt at clearing uh, a puck late in the game against Winnipeg. And, you know, the coverage generally back-checking hasn't been great. So, you know, it's team defense. It is uh, some specific defensemen at times. I mean, even Matt Niskanen has had, to me, uh, a a season that's not what I expected from Matt Niskanen. Um, So uh, long story short is – that the team just is not as uh, sound defensively as they have been in the recent past, and it's finally catching up to them in a big way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you bring up Matt Niskanen, and he's kind of had a under-the-radar, in my mind, just awful season. I mean, talk about the eye test, and you just kind of watch him play, and it's just, awful season was too strong, but just not the season you would expect for him. Like, I'd, I'd say awful right. for him. You know, it's not been an awful season, but it's just simply not quite been – what we expect from a guy of his caliber. And you can say that, I, I believe you've, you've actually said this on Twitter, you can say that about just about any guy in the Capitol not named Alex Ovechkin and, and maybe Brayden Holpe. You know, they, they've just all kind of been not quite as good as we've expected. And um, on the back end, you know, they just don't have a ton of room uh, for error there. I mean, I think Christian Juice has had a season that's been better than we expected. Madison Bowie's definitely struggled at times, and he's, you know, he got a suspension for that questionable hit that he uh, he threw during the Winnipeg game. And it's just been really tough for the Capitals, and I think they're actually making it harder for themselves. So I do think that the quality of the roster is better than the results that they're getting, and to me, that's a big problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple more guys who you could say are probably having a pretty good year. I think Tom Wilson's actually taken a, a step mm-hmm. forward this year. I think uh, I, I've been ha- very happy with Lars Eller's yeah. season. Um, it, you know, beyond those guys, John Carlson, I think for the most part, has had a very good year. Um, and, you know, I, past that, yeah, there there are a lot of guys who are underperforming and, you know, maybe they'll get their shit together and this will be the year where the playoffs actually are uh, better than the regular season. But, you know, I, I don't know that there's a ton of reason uh, for optimism in, in that respect. But, uh, you know, this is a team also now that uh, they're 22-0-3 when leading after two periods. Uh, which sounds nice, uh, but they over the previous two seasons they were seventy eight one and two when leading after two, so you know they haven't been closing uh, games. They don't have a killer instinct. We saw after John Carlson put him up three one against Winnipeg. We saw, you know, I don't want to call it turtling, <laughs> but uh, their their uh, shot attempts just flatlined at that point and you know it's easy to say they turtled and uh that did them in give credit to winnipeg though i mean that that is on a side note that is looking like a pretty terrific team Mm -hmm. to me uh in a lot of respects um 
if they add maybe a defenseman or something at the deadline, you know, probably look out for those guys. Uh, but you know, that's a team that in playing at home in their own building down a couple goals, you knew they were going to take the game over to an extent, but, uh, unfortunately the caps just couldn't hold on in this one. Like they could, they have so many times in the past. Yeah. And, and you talk about Winnipeg kind of getting that home ice advantage there. And, and I think we saw a bit of the same thing from Washington on Sunday when they came back against Detroit I mean, Washington had right. a great rally and, and both games, uh, ended up being tied with, you know, a goal in the last 30 seconds. Uh, of course, Nicholas Backstrom scored the game tying goal on Sunday and unfortunately, it just kind of the Capitals weren't able to win their game in overtime, unlike Winnipeg. And um, you got to get worried that some of these these little things. The Capitals haven't been playing a style of hockey that allows them to, uh, you know, they are going to be very susceptible to the little things like the bounces. The Capitals are not playing a style where they're going to get where the odds are really in their favor, like they did last year, where they were one of the best possession teams in the league. Uh, John, um, what, do, what do you think kind of about the sustainability of this solid Capitals record, and, and really what are your concerns, and what do you think they could do to maybe uh, improve on some of these things? Yeah, they. Uh, we've been talking about it all year. You know, this isn't the same team they were in the past. You know, you look at last year, and – it may not seem like a big difference when you're talking uh, 52% Corsi versus 48% or uh, where are they now? Probably about 47, 48%. Not good. Uh, but this is a team that we've seen consistently uh, overperform their percentages due to the fact that they've got uh, some high-end skill uh, in terms of finishers and a, an elite goalie. So – you know, it's a team we can reasonably, I think, expect to uh, outperform their percentages. Uh, so when you're at 52% or something like that, like they were last year, uh, wherever they were l- last year, you add to that um, those that, you know, 9% shooting percentage instead of 8 or whatever, and, you know, a 930 save percentage at 5s instead of a 920 or whatever the – those margins are and and it ups the margins it ups your uh chances of winning games and you know that's what you want to do you want to give yourself the best chance to win now you know even if we think that their shooting percentage is uh sustainable and even if we think that Braden Holtby uh is the kind of goaltender that's going to give you the boost there and I, th- I think those are both reasonable assumptions you know you're just getting maybe to the point where you can expect with your 47 percent uh shot share maybe you're at the point where you're break even so everything's a coin flip and you know frankly that that's not where this team should be uh with the talent they have uh they should be a team that is a little bit better than a coin flip they lost a lot of guys last uh offseason no doubt and that that hurt, but you know this is still a team that has enough talent that uh, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they should be a, a little bit better than uh, a coin flip to to win most nights. And you know when you go in at coin flip uh, over the course of 82 games and you start playing in the playoffs when there aren't uh, Detroit's and you know. Uh, Islanders and and some of the the dregs of the league, Sabers, whatever. Uh, 
to fatten up on, you know, those numbers, your, your likelihood of winning obviously drops uh, a little bit there too. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that they right now are a team that we should have tremendously high hopes for uh, based on the way they're playing. And uh, in, unless that changes, uh, I don't see, you know, anything can happen. Obviously we've seen it a ton. Uh, we've seen it happen to the caps. Uh, I don't know that we've really seen it happen for the caps, but uh, you know, I would never say never, but uh, all you can do is try to get, give yourself the best chance to win. And right now, I'm not sure that they're giving themselves uh, the best chance to win. Now, John, well, you kind of talked about, you know, how how it is, but how would you make it better? Yeah, um, you know, I I think they first and foremost they have to fix the defense. Uh, this the third pair is just wretched right now. Um, I I think that that's unfortunate, you know, um, based on the personnel they have, I don't see any way that the current group, uh, changes that much. Uh, you know, you can play Brooks Orpic less, uh, but you're still going to play Brooks Orpic. Uh, you're, you can shelter Madison Bowie, but you're still going to be putting him out there, uh, with Brooks Orpic. Um, you know, Christian Juice has had his ups and downs. Uh, I think he's had a successful rookie year, but is he a top four defenseman on a contender right now? Probably not. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think in in an ideal world, uh, you would add a left-handed top four defenseman that would bump Juice down and probably Bowie to the press box, and then you'd have Juice and Orpic and really shelter them and ride the heck out of your top four. That's, I mean, that's how I'd look to fix it. You know, the, the other option would be to get a puck mover to pair with Orpic in the third pair and hope that he can do for Orpic what uh, Nate Schmidt did last year uh, and what Mike Green did in past uh, in, in the early, in that first year, uh, which is namely to carry him entirely uh, on his back. So, uh, but I, you know, I don't see any way this gets better without uh, fixing the defense. Um, I mean, maybe there's one more option, but you know, we can come back to that in a minute. But the, you know, the forwards, yeah, Burakovsky and Oshi and Vrana haven't scored, and there are issues up there. But you know, the talent's there, so you kind of just hope that that comes back around. Whereas on the defense, uh, I don't think that the talent is there necessarily. So you've got to, you've got to bring it in. You know, if the talent, if the talent up front doesn't uh, turn around and start producing, well, yeah, I mean, you're sunk anyway. There's no, I don't think there's any real reason to try to go out and address, uh, address that maybe, you know, maybe a depth forward, uh, someone in the, to play on that fourth line, which has also been a bit of a black hole, but I don't uh, I don't know that you uh, get better without probably addressing the personnel on the blue line. Yeah, the blue line personnel has definitely been rough. And, I mean, we've talked about how losing Schmidt was really a, really a, a, a struggle for the team. And, and while it was one that they probably could have found, found a way to prevent, it's kind of trickled down the lineup. And, you know, who, who knows 
Schmidt would probably not be playing that many minutes anyway, and we probably wouldn't have seen any of Christian Juice this year if that had been the case. So, because uh, it's not like Brooks Orpic is going anywhere. So I definitely agree they got to fix the defense. But John, with, with some of the personnel decisions we've seen, I mean, you just kind of made it clear that Brooks Orpic might have been the the worst defenseman on the team so far this year. I mean, as you said earlier, Kevin wrote that great article that came out this week about how uh, arguably um, Brooks Orpic's having like the worst season in the Ovechkin era for a Capitals defenseman. And yet, uh, Barry Trotz is almost definitely going to keep this guy in the lineup regardless of what the Capitals do. Um, is that an indictment of, of Trotz and what he's been doing? Or uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I don't know that I agree that Orpik's uh, season this year is the worst we've seen from a Caps defenseman in the Ovechkin era. I know... I know they're the what the numbers say, um, but uh, I, I'm not certain that I'm uh, buying it. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. He's playing too much. Uh, he's being used essentially as the fourth defenseman on this team. He's being used when they're down a goal more than Christian Juice is. It, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, but you know the these issues. Uh, uh, of deployment, uh, you know, I, I defer a lot to a coach on on things uh, such as deployment, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I would play him less. I, I'd like to see him play less. I'd like to see Juice playing more, but uh, you know, I, I don't know that that turns the team into a, a contender all of a sudden just by doing that. I mean, the Caps. Uh, Peter Hassett uh, of Russian Machine had a, a tweet today uh, on Wednesday about uh, Orpik's uh, the Caps uh, shot share with Orpik on the ice and off the ice and on the ice it's bad but with him off the ice they're only at 50% they're only at break even you know and they, they, they need to be better than that uh, you know you'd think he, he's, he's certainly an anchor right now but uh it's not like the team's a speedboat when he's when he's not on the ice. So uh, I think that it's it, it may not be a big indictment of uh, Trotz's deployment uh, so much as sort of the state of the team right now and uh, the system, uh, what they're doing. It, it it seems markedly different from last year. I don't know system-wise whether anything major has changed obviously personnel wise you lose a justin williams you lose a marcus johansson uh you lose nate schmidt obviously uh kevin shattenkirk carl alsner those are just a lot of a lot of really good players and carl alsner going out the door and uh (laughs) that that makes that that makes it hard but uh you know, it just doesn't seem system-wise like they're locked down on defense the way that they were last year, um, and, and I think that might be an indictment of Trotz uh, at, at a different level than just the deployments. Yeah, it seems like every coach in the NHL gets kind of blasted by uh, the analytics community and their fan base for their coaching decisions. So it's kind of hard to say that whoever, if it wasn't Trotz, someone else would be better. But systematically, it does feel like the Capitals are doing something different. And uh, I believe Trotz before the year kind of talked about how um, the team was going to have to play differently because they didn't have the same amount of skill. 
And I, I know that's not a comment I wanted to hear from the head coach because, uh, you know, I think you should try to play a system that you've had success with, and you'd like to think that you've kept enough of the key cogs around that you could still play that way. Um, but the Capitals haven't been, and we've seen a huge drop in shot share. And uh, just, just, just a real fast touchback on that Orpic piece. I mean, for the reasons you mentioned earlier about the Capitals have been able to get good results without having, you know, greater than 50%. Shot share, that being, you know, the superior offensive talent, guys like Ovechkin and, and Holtby um, as, as a goaltender, uh, you know, 50% is a lot better than where they are now with Orpik on the ice, you know. So I, I do think we might, that's not a huge difference, but with the skill they have, 50%, uh, you know, they, they could win at 50% in my mind uh, because of the superior skill that they have. But that, that that's that's not going to be the hugest issue for the team. But why, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the systematic things that are going on with the team? I, I know you said you're not 100% sure what it is, but what do you think? Uh, is it a big enough problem that, that you'd be looking to make a coaching change? Uh, you know, I guess that's once again sort of becoming the elephant in the room right now. Uh, and uh, this is sort of where we thought we were right before Thanksgiving, right? Like the team was uh, floundering a bit and it just, it seemed like there was no way that they were getting right. And then all of a sudden they ran off some wins and that certainly could happen again. You know, uh, I personally, I'm not, I guess you have to ask yourself the question, uh, is there reason to believe that this team uh, with Barry Trotz as its head coach, uh, has a good chance of doing better than they have the past three years as, uh, with Barry Trotz as the head coach. And to be completely honest right now, I'm not seeing it. It, it seems, you know, coaching decisions, execution, the end of that Winnipeg game felt so much like, uh, that Nashville game towards the end of Bruce Boudreaux's tenure where they just blew a lead late you know, you wonder, you, you have Holtby calling out teammates. It just, it seems like uh, the the wheels are coming off a little bit. So uh, we'll see how the rest of this road trip goes. But, uh, you know, I think if it goes sideways, if they come back from this road trip, if they, you know, lose in uh, Minnesota and then, Chicago, who's suddenly terrible, and then Buffalo, who's always uh, terrible, always been terrible. Uh, yeah, if, if something like that happens, they come back; they're not in first place anymore. I, I gotta think that uh, that Max Finger is on the detonator and you know getting ready to to press the button uh, if he's given the the latitude to do so, and. Uh, you know, I think, frankly, I, I think it might be the right time to do it. It's a little strange uh, if they're still in first place, a team that's headed to the playoffs, a coach that's won back-to-back president's trophies. But, you know, you can look at all of that and just look at this team and ask if they're in a in a position. Have they fixed what they needed to fix? Have they, you know, cleaned up uh, the things they need to clean up? The, are they still having the same problems they've had? uh, throughout. And, uh, you know, I think the timing also works out frankly, because, you know, you have a guy in Todd Reardon on deck that essentially was promised that job, right. You know, last summer, 
uh, other teams wanted to talk to him and uh, the Caps didn't let him uh, entertain other gigs, uh, presumably with the understanding that he would have a first shot at uh, Trotz's job once Trotz uh, either, you know, once he moved on, uh, you know, he's in the last year of his contract this year. Uh, I think it was all it was assumed that this would be it for him here and that Reardon would take over. But if that happens sooner rather than later, you can have an interim head coach in Reardon, see how it goes for the last couple months of the season and then make a decision on him. Uh, and if he doesn't seem like he's the right guy, go get a more experienced coach in, in the offseason. Um, versus if you ride it out with trots and you flame out in the playoffs yet again, and then you can't, you, then you let uh, trots go, you part ways with him, uh, give Reardon the job, assuming that you don't break that promise that you presumably made with him. Uh, then you give Reardon the job. You're, you're probably giving him a full year uh, as a rookie coach to see what he can or can't do, and that's potentially another year down the drain. You know, uh, so I, I think that moving uh, on trots uh, sooner rather than later has the upside of getting you uh, through uh, the Reardon experiment or or you know, finding out that he is the guy uh, a lot quicker uh, than you other might, otherwise might. So I don't know. I don't know what their appetite is for, for doing that to a guy who has had tremendous regular season success here and is a, a, just a terrific dude by all accounts and uh, so on and so forth. But, you know, in the cold calculated world, uh, of me sitting at my computer, <laughs> it, it, it makes it, it makes a lot of sense. I think if if the rest of this uh, road trip plays out like we think it might. I mean, you saw that second period against Detroit last uh, Sunday when they looked like the worst team that has ever <laughs> taken the ice, uh, and you know. I, I, I'll discount the third period against Detroit because it was, you know, score effects, et cetera. I don't put a whole hell of a lot of, uh, of stock in that. But they came out in Winnipeg, and they looked good. They did, you know, they, they played a couple, two and a half really good periods, maybe? Good, good, two, yeah, two and a half. Periods, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good periods. They, they, they skated with uh, Winnipeg in their barn, I mean, that's impressive. So who knows? They could run off a handful of wins right now and make me look silly for even suggesting it. But, uh, you know, something just doesn't seem uh, totally uh, right right now with this team. And uh, I don't know how long you stay the course with it. You, I don't think they're in a position to punt this year. Uh, but... Who knows? Maybe that's where where they're thinking. I don't know. That'd be pretty tough. I th I feel like making a coaching change this late in the year, I think, has, is is risky. But um, I'm not sure that with the way that they're playing, it it really, you know, that they'd have a real chance of winning. So, is it better to make the bold play? Probably. Uh, I th I think I'm kind of on board with you there, but I'm just not sure if they have the appetite for it. And uh, 
for the reasons you mentioned, it, it would be a bold play, and uh, I think McClellan would really be putting his neck on the line by firing Trotz right now, where if the team exits early, um, he kind of has a bit of an out. He can get rid of Trotz and buy himself some more time. So I, I think it, it's kind of one of those interesting things from that perspective where the, the GM's kind of got to make the call that he wants to make, but he, he's also got to kind of <laughs> uh, uh, keep an eye out for himself in the future. So it's definitely going to well, yeah. No, no, good. I, I think you're you're right about that. I, I mean, to an extent, uh, once you uh, once Mac fires uh, Trotz, uh, all eyes are on him. You know, it, it's uh, you don't get to hire too too many coaches, uh, and he hasn't really had an opportunity to hire yeah. one yet. But but still, I mean, if it ain't the coach, then I certainly will turn on him, but, and it would be a bold move. Um, it's not completely unprecedented, but, um, you're also, you would also be replacing him with a guy who's been on this bench, who knows the team, who the team knows it's, it's not, uh, it's not bringing in Dale Hunter from London, uh, at Thanksgiving to replace Bruce. You know, it's, there, there's more familiarity there, and uh, you know, I, I think, I think it ha- would have potential to to be a fairly smooth uh, transition, as smooth as something like that could be. But uh, it would be, it would be bold. The easy move is to do nothing. I mean, that's for sure. The the easy, more comfortable uh, move is to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's easier to stay pat, but the question is, is it really the the right thing to do? And I, I think you make a great case for why it isn't, and hopefully, um, I don't know, hopefully it's something that they're, they're at least thinking about internally, right? You know, we want to make sure that, or as fans, we want the, the team to really be considering every every possible option, and I think we like to consider that, that we at least have some idea of what's going on and what the team could maybe do better to have the best possible chance of winning. So, uh, not that we have all the answers, but, but may, maybe we, we, we know a bit of something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. It, you know, you think about how good your chance is with trots, and uh, is that good enough? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that it is. Last year, I would say that it was. Uh, this year, it it may not be. And is that on trots? Is it on the players he's been given? Uh, is it just, just a, fact, uh, a reality of having lost the guys you lose in a salary cap world and being on the other side of, uh, that so-called window, it, it, there's a lot going on, you know, and, uh, it, it'd be hard to place the blame squarely on one, uh, on one guy. Uh, but you know, that's the way sports work sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the, the roster last year, I mean, I, we spent so much time talking about last year and how the roster was good enough and, you know, have, have some slight differences, maybe maybe in style or really anything might have been enough to make a difference. But uh, ult- you mean like like the like goalie making, making some yeah, more saves? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, and not saying that this coaching decision cost the game or anything, but Carl Alsner and Brooks Orpik should never have been on the ice together. I, I I still can't wrap my head around how anybody behind that bench thought, "Hey, let's put these the, our two slowest guys out on the ice together." That. It's not it's, it's not a shocker at all that they got scored on on, on when that happened, but 
nope. nope. You could have written nope. that. Could have written that, that was one. a nightmare. That, that, that was easy. Um, yep. Well, John, you know, I know you you had some very strong passions about that Winnipeg game, so I do want to roll back that a little bit, just kind of before we wrap this up. And um, you talked about how the, it looked like more than just score effects. You know that, that the Capitals have looked listless, but. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of how to best phrase this because, you know, you and I have talked about this so much. But it, it almost looks like the team's just kind of lost some direction. And, and, and you mentioned Braden Holpe calling out the, the players and, you know, TJ Oshie talking about how, oh, it's not an X's and O's thing. It, it's, you know, we just have to be tougher. Or we, we have to just really, you know, get down and dirty. What, what do you think when you start hearing a team do this and they're kind of, I don't want to say turning on each other, but... You know, it, it's not the same feel that we had last year. No, it's not. Uh, you know, it, we've seen them struggle in the second period. I think there are a lot of um, sort of byproducts of being a super talented team that sort of could flip the switch. And it, it, it's uh, you had the ups of the Boudreaux years and then the downs of Hunter and Oates. Uh, and a lot of what you saw leading into those down years was that the team, uh, in, in some ways, uh, roster wise, wasn't as talented, but they were still playing as if they were. Um, and you know, I think maybe you see, you see some of that this year, last year was a team that could kind of do what they wanted out there. They were, uh, really, really entertaining and uh, very, very talented. Uh, and they could impose their will on teams, even though they didn't do it as much as we might have uh, wanted them to. Uh, and I think that you you get into some habits when you play, when you have that much talent. And, um, you know, when you don't have that much talent, those habits uh, end up burning you. And so they can say all they want about, oh, we know we have to do this. We know we have to do that. Um, until they're consistently doing it, uh, you know, paying lip service doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. The goals they got against Winnipeg were, uh, you know, nice rebound goals, go to the net, get a rebound. Uh, you know, thankfully Hellebuck was giving out some nice rebounds, but you know, they were scoring, uh, on them and that's the kind of, those are the kind of goals they need as well as the other kind. Uh, but again, I'm less, I'm less concerned on the offensive end as the, as I am on the defensive end. And I do think that's a personnel thing. Um, yeah, I I think, I think it's a team that is in some ways struggling with the fact that it just doesn't matter at all what they do in the regular season after last season, uh, whether it's good, whether it's great, uh, it doesn't matter. They'll be judged on what they do in the postseason, so it's hard to uh, to play a hundred percent through February. I guess uh, a lot of things going on, uh, but it, it's the job of the the coach to get this team ready mentally. And if they're not, you know, <laughs> that's another uh, strike against the coach. But it's also on these players to uh, to be professionals and to go out there and execute uh, the way that they presumably say they they have to. So uh, all of that's a long way of saying that uh, this team has some flaws and 
they need to address them however they need to address them. I think there's some uh, flaws that can be addressed addressed internally, and I think there's some flaws that can't be addressed uh, so, uh, just by the guys that are on the roster and in the organization right now. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. John, I've got two last questions for you. Um, first off is going to be, do you think that Barry Trotz will be the Capitals head coach heading into the playoffs? Um, yeah, I think that he probably will be. Um, I, I don't, like we said earlier, I'm not sure what the, what management's appetite is for, uh, making a change, uh, with this guy, with his track record and this late in the season. Um, but if, if this road trip goes off the rails, I, it's going to be hard to see. It's going to be hard to hang on to him, I think. But uh, you know that that's for that's above my pay grade for sure. <laughs> All right, last one. If the Capitals don't win the Stanley Cup this year, will Barry Trotz be the head coach next year? No, Look, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't either. I I, I, I can't see. That, anyway, that's the only yeah. scenario I can see where he'd be the head coach next year is if they if they won the Stanley Cup. In this this season, I mean, if he gets them to the cup, yeah, oh, yeah maybe yeah. they do an extension, or uh, you know, you you could probably even dream up a scenario in which they get to the third round and then uh, they lose Tampa. half their team, and he somehow comes up with a game plan to get them to within a game of the finals or something. But I mean. I, I think that he's sort of uh, a lame duck at this point, to be completely honest. Um, and, you know, that's that's also got to be lingering over uh, over the room. You know, they when they know that their coach is uh, dead man walking or whatever, uh, you know, didn't didn't you see that with uh, in St. Louis with uh, Hitchcock when they basically said this is his last year and Yo's taking over when he's done, right? Isn't that how they yep. played it? And th- and that just didn't work, right? Uh, if I recall, it, that was awkward and sucked and kind of didn't work. Uh, so I think maybe that's part of what's going on here potentially. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I imagine it's a strain both on the coaching staff and probably a little bit on the players too. Um, about sure. <laughs> maybe if they get some competing instructions from the assistant coach and head coach, uh, who, who do you really listen to? Uh, the guy who you think is going right. to be the guy behind the bench next year or the guy this year? So it's, it's definitely got to be tough. Right. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me, especially on uh, Valentine's day, you know, everyone's favorite and most important holiday. <laughs> You're my Valentine, well, Adam. You know what? I, I appreciate that very much. So, uh, and, and I'm very happy to both uh, your wife and my girlfriend for allowing us to do this episode today. So, exactly right. Exactly. They're, they're the real MVPs. So, uh, I, I, on behalf Indeed. of myself and John Press, thanks for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. As always, uh, please give, especially John, a follow on Twitter at Japers Rink. You can follow the podcast at Japers Rink Radio, and you can follow myself at Stringham A. And we always appreciate a five-star review and uh, subscription or follow on iTunes. Thanks again.